where you are, your location on earth or your season of life. So it's Eagle, Colorado. What is today? June 24th, 2012. That's where we are. Or your season in life. Child, here with your parents, teenager, college student, uh, young, single, married, married for longer than some of us. Wherever you are in life, no matter where you are, your location on earth or your season in life, you and I can trust God. The context here, we've had the book of the Pentateuch written, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the law, the Torah. And Moses had written that and he's passing it on to the next generation. He has died and we are introduced in Joshua 1.1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, My son, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land I I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. And so we begin in the context that this is the Lord's commission to Joshua. In the last half of this chapter, he's going to go and take and commission the people. But you see this enormous task. Here's a guy, Moses, who had walked with the people for 40 years. He is now dead. It is an enormous task. You're replacing the leader and you're leading the people to the land I am presently giving you. Now watch the turn here in 3 through 5. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. I am giving to you, I have given to you. More on that in just a second. Just as I promised Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Here's the enormous task. Here's the comforting truth. The possession of the land, the protection in the land, I am giving it to you and I have given it to you. And he says, he will always be with us. He is giving it to us present tense like it's not already done. But then he says, I have given it to you past tense as if it is accomplished. My friends, brothers and sisters, if you learn nothing else in your Christian life, much of the Christian life is living out what has already been done by God for you. Living out presently what God has done for you. So you could go to Romans 6 and it says you are dead to sin. And then you can see in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, put to death. But I am dead and he's calling me to put to death. Which is it? Yes. You can... Do this because this has happened. Joshua could go in and conquer the land because it had already been done. Set in place before the world was even created, it was done. And so he merely needs to walk in obedience to God. And so this enormous task is repeated in 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to it from the right hand or to the left, that you have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. 
for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? And this was the verse that they learned. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is present all the time. He is everywhere. The big theological word, he is omnipresent. He is all present. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up, you're there. If I go down to Sheol, you are there. God is ever present. And where God has you, this is how we apply this truth to our life. Where God has you is right where he wants you. Wherever it is, location on earth, season in life. For some reason, the Lord wanted my little girl to cut her toe this morning. Right? That's where she is. My wife is taking care of her. I'm not at all worried because God's there and he's, he's working and I'm not worried. Um, wherever you are in your season of life, wherever you are in your marriage, wherever you are in life, young or not so young, God has you right where he wants you. Wherever you are in your job, God has you right where he wants you at this specific specific time, at this specific place, at this, this is the hard one for us, specific pace. Whatever is going on, he knows about. He has worked it right down to, he knew that at 1046 on Sunday, June 24th, I would be, before I even declared it, he knows what's on my tongue. He knows exactly where we're at. He is all present, and that should be very comforting. No matter where you are, you can trust God. I do find it interesting, the verse right before Joshua 1.9 was, this book of the law shall not depart from your lips, but you shall meditate on it day and night to do all that is written in it, and then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have success. If I could give you one challenge to a spiritual discipline that I think is super important, I would say, based upon that verse and in this context, you mean to tell me God is everywhere present and I can go from him and I can even be driving and say, I don't have a radio that could declare the word of God to me and I am a safe driver and I'm not trying to read my Bible while I'm driving, that I can still commune with God and him through the Holy Scriptures? Yes, it's called scripture memory. And I would strongly encourage all of us to hide God's word in our hearts. From this book, When I Don't Desire God, Dr. John Piper says, of Joshua 1.8, the scroll was rare and precious. Joshua did not have his pocket scroll, right, to carry around. This means that God made memory and meditation part of what it took to lead his people, and the same is true today. My friends, and this is what he says, ask yourself of all the spiritually minded people you have known, those who seem to walk most consistently with God and are in tune with his spirit, do they not overflow with scripture? Memorizing scripture is one of the surest routes to going deep with God and walking in communion with him, which means walking in joy. He goes on to quote in another article, and I just want to read it to you so that you all can see that it's not just one man's thought. Dr. Howard Hendricks 
a professor at Dallas Seminary said, if he had his way, every graduate, yours truly, didn't happen, but if he had his way, would walk away from there with 500 to 1,000 verses memorized cold. Chuck Swindoll says, I know of no other scripture or no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. Dallas Willard said, a professor at University of Southern California said, if there's one, one discipline, should you choose to, to read, to journal, to, to do one discipline, he says, memorize scripture. Because you're doing all that other stuff. You're, you're reading the Bible. You're putting it in your head. And so, I would say, no matter where we are, we can take the Bible with us. As we, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We can take it with us wherever we go. Simple application, bloom where you're planted. And for those of you who may be going somewhere else, blossom again where he transplants you. Amen? No matter where you are, trust God. Number two, no matter who you are, physically, personally, professionally, red and yellow, black or white, they are precious in his sight, man or woman, uh, a one who cleans the place where the CEOs work, one who gets the, the coffee for the CEO, the CEO himself, no matter who you are, trust God. First Samuel 16, if you wanted to move forward in your Bible, context here, starting back in 1314, God said to Saul, and Samuel said, actually Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not command, kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For the Lord would have established your kingdom forever. But now, verse 14, your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And so Saul, who stood head and shoulders above everyone, was the first king, but he was not the one that God had chosen after his own heart. And in seven, one, in chapter 16, 1 through 5, God gives Samuel this call to go pick out the one whom he had chosen. And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? He was grieving because he understood that Saul was not the appointed one. Since I have rejected him for being king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, Well, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what show uh, I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you Samuel did what the Lord commanded came to Bethlehem the elders of the city came to meet with him trembling saying do you come peaceably and he said peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice and he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice when they came he looked on Eliab and thought surely The Lord's anointed before him, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or his height or his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God is not looking at what the world looks at. I started this young, and I will continue it, because I still minister to my wife in this way and say, 
I don't love you because of what you look like. That's what the world would say. That's where if you were just, it, praise the Lord, there are no billboards on I-70. I know, I think that's a law and that's good. But if you go through Dallas, if you go through some of these big cities, it's just billboards. Dove does this for you and you can be a success. Thank you, Dove. Wear this and life will change for you. Thank you, Gap. But as the world looks upon a person, that is not how God looks. God looks at the hidden person of the heart. And if you're interested more on the heart, we're going to be looking at that next week in Sunday school. Ladies, 1 Peter has always been a great comfort. 1 Peter, do not let your adorning be external. Don't look at the outward appearance. The braiding of hair or the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning, let be what the world sees, be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty. Love that. The imperishable beauty. Beauty, the the physical beauty is perishable, but the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. The world at the time in 1 Samuel was looking for a king. 6'4", strapping, tough looking. This is the person who's going to lead us. And God said, no, hold on a second. Let me go get you someone. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made his seven sons pass before Samuel and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest or in some translations, the smallest. And behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him for we will not sit down till he comes. And he sent and he brought him. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Abinadab, no. Shema, no. All his sons, no. The youngest and the smallest. Well, just illustratively speaking, he was not that tall. It's probably my height at that time. I'm going to choose him. We're not going with the biggest and the strongest. We're going with a man whom God has seen his heart. And he says, in him, I am well pleased. Why do we know Dave, what was David doing? Well, you could go on and read the rest of First Samuel, but you get a glimpse of it in 17 when David even has to defend himself towards Saul. David wants to go out and fight the Lord's battles. He is not fearful. He knows who he is. And Saul said, well, you cannot go fight him. You are but a youth. He's been killing people since he was young. He says, he comes... Define the armies of the Lord, but I go to him in the name of the Lord my God. Saul, being the practical person that he is, well, you're going to need some armor here. Put on mine. Can you imagine? Here's, hypothetically, 6-4 Saul, 5-8, um, 5-9 David, putting on Saul's armor. It'd be like me putting Rittmiller's sport coat up, coming up here to do preaching, right? The, the, thing, the arms would hang down here. Even if I tried to be artsy, people would like, you're not Rittmiller. Take it off. Be yourself. So I'd take off his. 
David takes with him five smooth stones and he said, look, I have killed a lion and I have killed a bear. And he just talks. His relationship with God comes out in the story. I've killed a lion and I've killed a bear and God has taken care of me. Will he not do more so now? This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand because you defy the armies of the living God. No matter who you are, trust God. If no matter where you are, God is omnipresent. Here, God is super creative. Psalm 139, 13 through 16, he's formed us in, the, in our mother's wombs. He's created us just like we're supposed to be. You and I are designed by him purposefully to image him on earth. Be who you, be who God created you to be. Uh, Howard Hendricks, same guy I talked about scripture memory, talking to us in seminary, said the world does not need another Chuck Swindoll. Right? Because you go to seminary and there's Chuck Swindoll, this gregarious president. He gets up in chapel and everybody just kind of just ooze and ahs. If I could just preach like Chuck Swindoll. Howard Hendricks says the world does not need another Chuck Swindoll. I get here and I have to face that with people who have come here. Well, well, this is the way Charlie did it. I'm not Charlie. Well, 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 this is what Chuck would do. I'm not Chuck. And personally in my own life, I've got to go, I'm not John Piper. I'm not Tim Keller. I'm not Matt Chandler. The world does not need another one of those men. The world needs the first you. The world needs the first me. Don't try to be somebody else. Ladies, don't try to be, parent your children Exactly like somebody else. God has created you super creative and designed you to parent those children. That's why you're their mother. That's why men, that's why you're their father. It's not, we're not a bunch of little puppets. We do it differently. And that's why you never hear from me really up here promoting plans or this is the way you ought to do it. The way I do it is not the way some do it. We just talked about this last Wednesday in Scripture memory. There are people who memorize whole chapters of books by just getting that first letter of each word and they follow the punctuation. I say, praise God. I can't do it that way. I do it a different way. And then I was at VBS and Teller came up to me and he said, we've got to start using hand motions, right? Be strong and courageous, right? For I am certain, and we'll get there, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. We've got to start using these hand motions because it sticks. You will remember that. We're going to do it together here in a few minutes. Don't try to be somebody else. And some of you are like, yeah, yeah, I got it. But there are some of you, don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to live up to, if I could just be like this person, then everything, no. Don't try to be in some other season of life. Oh, if only our kids were here. Grab that eight, six, and four-year-old and love on them right now because soon they will be 18, 16, and 14. Wow. You be you. I'll be me. And we'll do well together. Thirdly, no matter what people do, knowingly or unknowingly, from friend or foe, trust God. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew your strength, their strength. They shall mount up like wings, like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Isaiah forty thirty one. But what you get all before those, that last verse of that chapter, you get 
chapters 1 through 39 of Isaiah of all this judgment. And then the rest of the book from 40 on is this restoration of his people. And in Isaiah 40, he begins with comfort my people, comfort my people, comfort my people. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord your God. That's what he does in 41 through 5. And then 6 through 8, where is that comfort going to come from? A voice says, cry. And I said, why shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. No matter what people do to you, you can trust that you can draw comfort from God's word. Do you believe that? Do you believe Psalm 119.71 says, It was good for me to be afflicted so then I could learn your ways. It is good for us to face affliction so that we grow closer to God. And he's organized it that way. Comfort my people according to the word. And then verse 9 through the rest of the chapter is just the greatness of God. And he is great. And then you come in 27. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? Do we ever do that? We may not articulate it as, as eloquently as Isaiah does there, but we may question in our life, why is this happening to me? Same question that Israel, why is this happening to me? Why are you saying my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? And then Isaiah offers the people a gentle rebuke. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. Raise your hand if you are tired now or have been tired this week. Okay. That's pretty much everyone. You, you, you've grown weary. Raise your hand if you understand everything about everybody and about everything in life. Aha, a humble people, right? He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He knows everything, everything. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. You're going to get tired, Joseph. You are young, you are, have so much energy, but today you will be tired. So, and you will lay your head down and you will go to sleep. Because even you, with all your energy, are youth and you get tired, but not God. I personally wish I had the energy of Becky Peters to ride 50 miles down Vale Pass, then to come to uh, a going away party and then to go do VBS all week. But even she grows weary. And then you get this first, but those who wait upon the Lord. And we can get weary physically, we can get weary emotionally, we can get weary spiritually. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not grow faint. If God is ever present and he is super creative, he is all powerful. He will strengthen you when you walk in him. And his command to be strong and courageous is able, enabled by his power. And so we need to wait patiently for him. Later on in the book of Isaiah, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Isaiah 64, somewhere, maybe it's my favorite verse and I don't even know where it is. Yes, 64, 4. 
For from on old, no one has heard or perceived by ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts, or I like what the New American says, who works for those who wait on him. We just need to wait patiently, trust his timing. No matter what people do to us, the Israelites have been afflicted. They had been judged. They, they probably were saying, does God really still love us? No matter what happens, we can trust God. And, and he doesn't even leave it there. He said, you shall mount up like wings on eagle. You shall run and not grow weary. You shall walk and not be faint. It's the idea of going. If there was one thing I would encourage, to go out in the strength of God and let the world know about this, that no matter who you are, no matter how you feel, no matter where you are, you can trust God. The world needs to hear it. Fourthly, no matter how you feel about where you are, that was point number one, about who you are, that was point number two, or about what people do. John 14, 1 says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me. If God is all everywhere present, if he is all powerful, if he's super creative, here's a God of mercy. David Crowder sings a song, when the shadows come, we shall remember. That's what Jesus was doing in John 14 through 16. I'm going away, but I'm leaving you somebody else, the Holy Spirit. It'll be the third person of the Trinity within you. I'm going away. It's better that I go away. I am the only way to God. That's what he said to Thomas. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But I will send you another helper to be with you forever. Yea, even the spirit of truth. So no matter how you feel. By the way, this is what we're going to work on for the rest of the summer. If you want to know where you can go in the Bible to biblically express your emotions, we don't want you to, we're we're not a bunch of Stoics here, just suck it up. How can you biblically express your emotions? Because some of us try so hard not to get, get angry and upset. We just suppress all emotion. Some of us react to everything emotionally. But if there's one place in the Bible, it is the Psalms. And we'll look at this starting next week, a summer of Psalms. You will see uh, anger. You will see loneliness. You will see fear. You will see confidence. You will see joy. You'll see all of these emotions right there in the Psalms. And they give you the proper way to express your emotions biblically. No matter how you feel. How are you feeling today? Are you satisfied in Jesus? Praise God. Are you dissatisfied in Christ or with something going on in your life? Run to Jesus. Don't be troubled. Maybe something is masking how your vision of him. Something's become more beautiful. Or some, some false notion about the world is more beautiful. If only. Or if there's something going on in your life because of where, what season of life you're in or what people are doing to you and you don't understand, don't let your hearts be troubled. God is at work. No matter how you feel, you can trust God. And everything is summarized in Romans 8. Turn with me there because I want to sit here for a few minutes and then we'll be done. Romans 8, one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. It begins with, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And it ends with nothing can separate us 
from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. No condemnation bookended with no separation. You and I are absolutely guiltless before God. We are not guilty. We are free. We, have, we are no longer enslaved to sin. We are dead to sin. We can walk by the power of God's grace. And nothing. Oh, if we will get this, if you will get this paragraph, if you will memorize this paragraph, John Piper said, and he says, I have no statistics for this, but he said, a thousand things in our life would be taken care of if we would memorize Scripture. Not only before they come, but after they come, we would go back to the Scripture. If you and I will memorize verses 31 through 39, if we will meditate on it, if we will turn these words over in our mind, that's what it means to meditate, to mutter. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? With the answer, no one. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You have Jesus, you have everything. 33, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? No one, not even yourself. Did you catch that? There's a lot of people who say, well, yeah, this you can study Romans 8, 31 through 39, and that's a, that's a good piece of theology, but nobody can ever separate you from God, but he kind of leaves it in your hand that you can separate from him. Really? Well, let's just keep reading. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one to die. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who is indeed interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, the answer to those questions, no. In all these things, we, those of us who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, those of us who have bowed the knee and said, He is the King, He is the ruler, I am following Him, nothing can separate you from his love. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, now catch this, nor anything else in all creation. Are you a part of creation? Then if you're in God, you cannot separate yourself from him. Amen? You're not stronger than God. And this is the most comforting uh, nine verses, some of the most comforting nine verses in all the Bible. No matter what happens, he's omnipresent. He knows where you're at. He's, he created you. He knows who you are. He knows what's going on. He's all-knowing. And he knows how you feel. Nothing, no matter where you are, nothing, no matter who you are, nothing, no matter what happens to you by other people, nothing, no matter how you feel about what's going on, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Christ Jesus is victorious. 
in him, look what it, we are more than conquerors. The New Living Translation says we are super conquerors. So we are super conquerors. That's why when Revelation says to the one who conquers, there's no fear in that. Well, will, will I conquer? Yes, you will conquer because you are a conqueror. What has happened will be lived out. You will conquer. But what? No, you will conquer. Flow from this. It has happened. We are more than conquerors. Nothing. Saw Becky P. I forget the hand motions, but there was one here, one here. It doesn't matter, right? For I am certain, or I know for certain, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Let me give you one illustration that will satisfy this. Teach your kids this. If my wife comes to me today, it's so beautiful. Deuteronomy 7 7 says, I did not choose you because you were mightier than the other nations. In fact, you were less than the other nations. I chose you because I loved you. And I love you because I chose you. It's, God can be a, into circular reasoning. He can do that. So you love us and you chose us. You chose us because, you, yeah. So if my wife comes to me today and she says, oh, honey, do you love me? I said, absolutely. And if she goes, Why? I can make it or break it right here. Well, I love you because, hey, right? And give a big, long list. Or I can lean in and I can say, because I love you. Because if I give a list, what is the tendency of the human heart? To equate that love to the list. So this morning I practiced this, sitting around the breakfast table. Kids, look at me. Does your daddy love you? Uh Uh-huh. Why does your daddy love you? Because you do things for us. All these other things. And I said, no. I love you because I love you. That's the most helpful thing you can ever learn about the love of God. He loves you because he loves you. But what if he loves you? But I, he loves you. But I haven't been, he loves you. If you are in Christ Jesus, he loves you. And nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God. This should give you great confidence in God's providence that we should look in every situation. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Nothing can separate it. How do you know? How, how can I know that? Just look at the text one last time. nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including yourself, will be able to separate us from the love of God. And how does God express his love to us most assuredly, most profoundly, most definitely in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You want to know how much God loves you? Go to the cross. Go to the cross. You want to know how much God loves you? Go to the cross. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. If he's going to give you a billion dollar gift, will he not take care of the wrapping, right? The cross. It's at the cross. That's why I love that song, at the cross, at the cross. Because at the cross, all my sin is paid for. 
at the cross, all the sins that have ever happened to me will happen to me by other people taken care of. Nothing can separate me from the love of you. You mean he loved me in my evil state? Absolutely. And he sent his son to die for me? Yes. But didn't I? Yes. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I had to come. That's the, that's the sign on the front door. But once I get in the door and I look up, oh, no one comes to the Father except, no one comes to him but him who drew me. Oh, okay. So I came and he drew. Yes. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. No matter what happens, trust God. God is absolutely sovereign. He overrules the world. He overrules everything. He knew what shirt you were going to wear to wear this morning. You chose it. He knew it. He is full of compassion. We love because he first loved us. And whatever's going on in your life, whatever season of life you're in, whatever pain has come, is come, will come your way, he's up to something. God is up to something. He can be trusted. That's why we end with, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make you pass straight. Father, what a comforting five messages we learned at VBS. All wrapped around that one issue of trusting you. You give us general revelation in the mountains we see, the place we live. You give us specific revelation in your word. You give us an abundance of evidence of your love for us. Let us rest in it. And when the days are great, Lord, and things are going well, and the family's as it should be. Let us praise you for the evidences of your love. And in the days of darkness, when there's more questions than answers, we know you still love us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.